Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord for what he's doing all around the world? And uh, it was a joy to go with each and every one uh, that was on that trip. And uh, just seeing that video recap of a few of the things God did on our trip brings back so many memories for me. And uh, even this week, I was able to share with a few different churches about what God is doing there in Kazakhstan. And they're joining in with us to help uh, Bishop Yurkin and Madeline, his wife, in what they're doing there in their country. But the truth is, a video like that, or even a message here today, or a time tonight, are woefully inadequate for us to fully explain what God did in us while we were there, you know, in each and every one of us. And if you've been blessed enough to go on a missions trip at some point in your life, you, you would understand that and you would identify with that as well and say, yeah, that's true. It's hard to sum up in words what God did in our lives in those days. And so uh, we're so grateful for it. Uh, We can learn about missions here in our services and prayer gathering and in different updates, but there's nothing like being there uh, in person and uh, meeting with those believers and talking with them. And uh, we just, uh, so today I'm going to talk about that going, what happens when you go on a trip? I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon uh, on this topic of what, what happens to you when you go on a missions trip. Sometimes we talk about what we're going to do. You know, we're going to paint this building or we're going to help uh, do whatever. Um, the truth is, I think what we do on a trip is far less significant than what God does in us. And so, you know, I'm thankful that sometimes we might help with a building or a project or whatever is going on, but God has men and women who serve him there in those places. Otherwise we wouldn't have gone there to begin with. And I think it's more significant for us what he does in us. And that's what I'm gonna talk about today. We're talking about going. So uh, welcome to those watching and worshiping online. My name is Derek and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration and uh, it's a joy to be here with you. Thanks for praying for us last week on Sunday night. Uh, Some of our team, pastoral staff, we were able to go down to Dodge Center and uh, minister in that community and we saw God do a number of miracles and radical things in people's lives. And so it's a joy to serve him, be part of the large body of Christ and we say thank you for your prayers as well. Uh, As you heard, I'll get to the note sheet in a little bit. Uh, we will get there, I promise. Uh, but tonight is Taste of Nations. And so I'm expecting for what God is going to do in our service here today before we leave. But I'm really looking forward to tonight. It's our missions potluck. Everybody's bringing uh, a different food item from your national heritage. So if you're from somewhere else or people in your family are from somewhere else around the world, bring something from there. Label what continent or whatever it is. Uh, my family's bringing chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Madison, our 14-year-old, is like, that's a very white thing to bring. I was like, exactly. Um, But here we are, but it's got butterscotch, white chocolate, and milk chocolate chips. So we're trying to blend as much as we can, and uh, that's going to be awesome. So we need somebody to bring some Kentucky Fried Chicken, amen, some Domino's Pizza, represent well. Come on, hot dish. 
Look at that, Elizabeth. I didn't say hot dish casserole. She gave me a hard time. She's like, every time you say hot dish casserole, it shows you're trying, but you're not from here. So anyway, just hot dish, okay? And so, or casserole or whatever it is. Come on, it's gonna be a great time. Uh, upstairs in the chapel, bring your food around 4.30, between 4.30 and five, because the program will start at five, go till about seven. We've got stuff for your kids and the youth as well. There's over 400 people signed up. This morning we had three adult spaces left because there's only a certain amount of tables. So if you signed up and you're not able to come, we will miss you. We're still gonna have the event, but if you would go back online and unregister yourself, that'll open up a few spots for other people and uh, it's gonna be a great time. So tonight, Taste of Nations, and uh, we're also gonna share, as you'll hear, um, you'll get your the brand new, never before, been seen Kingdom Builders book, uh, Missions 2024. In the book that you'll see tonight, I can see right now, but you can't see it till tonight. Uh, everybody will get one tonight. Every family, I should say. We've ordered one for every family in our church, 500 of these or 600. I can't remember how many we ordered, but anyway, one per family. If you're not able to come tonight, you can get yours next week or the week after. Uh, we did get one for every family. But tonight, you'll see in here all of our trips for next year. I'm going to talk about going on trips this morning. Uh, and you can sign up for the trip starting tonight. We'll open registration. Also, it's got a number of our uh, partners in it, missions projects, and then some of our missionaries. We support over 40 every month, but it's got some in here. So you don't want to miss that. You'll get that tonight, as I said, and you'll have your first opportunity to sign up for some of these trips that are going to be happening next year. Let me mention one of the trips because uh, we already had 33 people sign up for it. It's our trip to Israel next year, uh, and that's in March, March 4 to 14. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's been some stuff happening in that part of the world. And uh, so recently I had some people ask if we're still going. And my short answer is yes, comma, I sure hope so. You know, like, let me just explain why I believe that. Number one, we've already had our trip to Israel canceled once due to COVID. We were supposed to go in 2020, had a bunch of people signed up for that. And Dr. George Wood was going to be uh, leading our trip. He was our previous leader of the Assemblies of God, uh, general superintendent of Assemblies of God. And then COVID came and canceled our trip. And then he passed away later that year. And so now he cannot lead us on that trip. Maybe in the new Jerusalem, we'll go with him. <laughs> but uh, that's a joke for later in the afterlife. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so I sure hope I don't have, I've never been, my wife and I have never been, and so I sure hope I don't have a second trip canceled. But those that lead the trip are Assemblies of God personnel from the United States. So we go with Center for Holy Land Studies. It was started by the Assemblies of God. It is the Assemblies of God. And so our trip leaders are from here in America. And two weeks before we go, our general treasurer, the number three person in the Assemblies of God, Choco de Jesus, is leading a trip two weeks before us. And so if he's there, it means the Assemblies of God thinks it's safe enough for him to go. And if it's safe enough for him, it's gonna be safe enough for me. So as long as Delta and the hotels and our Assemblies of God personnel goes, I'm gonna go, whoever wants to go can come as well. So we'll be there. Uh, I do have a friend who passes in Austin. His trip that was supposed to be there right now was canceled. Delta gave him back their money, all their trip money from the company. So you don't have to worry about that in my opinion. But anyway, I'm hoping we're able to go. And like I said, if uh, the Assemblies of God lets our treasurer go, he oversees all the money in the Assemblies of God. If it's okay for him, it's gonna be okay for me. I've been to far more dangerous places. I hate to say it that way. I've traveled all around the world. Uh, sometimes with armed guards carrying M16s or they look like uh, automatic rifles. I don't know what they were. I'm not a guns guy myself, but they had them. And uh, so I've been to more places where I wasn't sure. Anyway, I'm gonna go and we're gonna come back. And if not, heaven will be greater. 
And we got insurance, so it's all right, okay? It's fine. We'll see you there. All right, so just in case you didn't know, we're here in this month of missions as we're joining in with thousands of other churches. We showed the video last week. Our theme is Christ Among Us. And so we're joining in. We're one of 250 churches, Assemblies of God churches here in Minnesota. We're one of 13,000 Assemblies of God churches here in America, but we're one of almost 400,000 Assemblies of God churches in the world. So even if you're bad at math, what that means is we're joining in with the global church even more than the national church here in America. And it's our privilege to join in this missions effort of saying Christ came among us and who is us? Every people group. And so our theme, our goal is to establish the church among all peoples and it's a joy for us to join in. So every November we take the month to focus in on what God is doing around the world and asking him to show us where we can be part of it. This summer we talked about MM33. M is the Roman numeral for 1000 so it stands for 2033 and it's the World Assemblies of God Fellowships a 10-year goal to, to plant and have 1 million churches, Assemblies of God churches in the world. And so we said our part of that is to help uh, plant four churches, some here in America, some around the world, to send out at least eight missionary families from our church to serve around the globe like the Royakers are doing in Estonia. And uh, we wanna be part of what God is doing through the Assemblies of God around the world. And so our commitment to missions, not just this month, but every month of the year, is to both neighbors and nations that we, we believe God's calling us all around the world, but also to go across the street. And there's some differences with that. We'll get to our theme verse of Acts 1-8 with that. There are elements of going across the street and around the world when it comes to missions. And today we're talking about going. Last week, uh, everybody here received one of these Kingdom Builders cars. It just lists uh, eight of our primary partners and kind of different things that you can do every month as a family, as a prayer point for you to say, what is God asking us to do? If you were not here last week, you're not to turn these in there for you and your family to have as a reminder of ways that you can sacrifice something throughout the year to help spread the good news of Jesus Christ. If you didn't get one last week, you can pick one up on your way out. I think the host will have them on your way out. We'll have them there tonight as well, but it's going to be a great thing. All right. Acts chapter one and verse eight. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. And if you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning. Let's read God's word together. We've got four things all about what happens when we are going. This is what Jesus said, book of Acts chapter one and verse eight. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You could add as you go in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Come on, aren't you thankful that we have the help of the Holy Spirit? That Jesus said, I've got a mission for you to go on, but you don't have to go by yourself. You go with the helper. His name is Holy Spirit, and you're going to have power to be a bold witness. I believe we need the help of the Holy Spirit more today than we ever have. And it's through his help that we'll be bold witnesses in this land. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help everybody become more like Jesus today. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, as I mentioned, it's Jesus that gave us the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world, make disciples 
of every nation. Now, this is important that we remember that missions is not our idea. I know that's a shock to uh, some historians in America because they think everything started with America, good or bad. They think everything, it's a very narrow view of history. I don't know why Americans have a more narrow view of history, not you, but other Americans, of course, I'm saying, but uh, such a narrow view of history. But missions is not something that the Assemblies of God, it's not something that the church in America, it, it, that we came up with, it's not even another church in the Middle East. It's Jesus who said, go into all the world. Therefore, we call it the Great Commission. We are on co-mission with Christ. He said, go into all the world with the help of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, this whole idea of missions is not our idea that we're asking him to join us on. Have you ever prayed prayers like that? You're like, God, I'm going to go here. Would you go with us? <laughs> our whole understanding of missions is we're asking God, where are you at work? Help us to go with you. This is important for us to acknowledge up front about what we believe. And so this next uh, decade is we're endeavoring to see the kingdom of God um, numerically through the assemblies of God expand around the world. We're saying, okay, God, what is our part? And by the way, I want to give a big shout out to everybody that serves with Pastor Vicente on our missions serve team. Maybe some of you don't know, but last year we started it and uh, there's different people in the church. They get together for really four primary things. I want to mention it and then I want to show our appreciation or express our appreciation, which is church code for, let's give them a round of applause. You know what I mean? But let me tell you, no, let me tell you what they do first. You don't know yet. Uh, just getting ready, you know, settle down. Okay. Uh, Jeremy was with us. He dyed his hair again. He didn't have it dyed when we were in Kazakhstan, by the way, he didn't want to stand out more than we already did. But anyway, they could tell who we were. I'll just tell you, it wasn't the hair color. They were like, there they go. But it was awesome. They wanted to talk to us because we knew English. I didn't tell them we don't know it very well, but they wanted to talk to us in here. So anyway, um, this mission serve team does four primary things. As we were looking about what God is asking us to do and, and supporting over 40 missionaries every month and different local parts partners and these trips we have, I was like, I can't do all this. And so we had talked to Pastor Vicente. He said, well, I can't do all that. And so we launched last year, this mission serve team. And there's four primary things that they're involved in. And if you didn't know, you could also sign up to be part of that team. Just talk to Pastor Vicente and we'd be happy to get you more info on it. Uh, the first thing that they are focused on is missionary care. When missionaries go and they serve around the world for a few years and then they come back home, uh, it's important that they have people that they can talk with and, and what's going on. And so the primary form of communication with these missionaries that we're partnering with, we're supporting throughout the year goes through our mission serve team. And so we want every missionary to know if they need something, they know exactly who they could contact and reach out. So we've got that missionary care. There's also ongoing missionary prayer. By the way, some people erroneously think that missions is primarily about giving money. Not true. There's plenty of people with more money than the church uh, of Jesus Christ has given uh, around the world that have lots of money, but they've not changed the world for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's only through prayer that we're able to join in with what the Holy Spirit's doing. We know according to scripture that he'll draw all men unto himself. Therefore, it's not primarily about the money we give. And so we say we need ongoing missionary prayer and focused efforts. A lot of times we've got missionaries serving in places around the world that we can't necessarily publicize uh, for safety reasons. And so this prayer continues to go. And so that's the second thing. The third thing that the mission serve team 
team is part of is a missions-based community group. So they can host missionaries when they come back stateside, but also they are able to go deeper in an understanding for a heart of mission. So this is a great thing to be part of. If you'd like to just learn more about what's it like to be a missionary in another country, that's another great thing. And then the fourth thing that leads me to what we're talking about today is they help plan and coordinate all of our missions trips throughout the year. Now, um, it, it's a big deal because in the past, we've done maybe one or two or one year, I think we had four. But earlier this year, as I was praying, I really felt like the Lord put on my heart for our church for us to have a missions trip every month as a church. And so not 10 on the year, not 12 clumped together in the summer, but a missions trip every month. I think there's something powerful when we're only two or three weeks away from a group of people going somewhere and two or three weeks removed from people coming back. That, that it's like this wave of momentum of prayer support where we're not just praying and thinking about missions at one month in November or in the summer when kids are out of school, but we're saying every month, God send us somewhere. So I wanna say thank you to the missions team because not only do we have one every month. Actually, they've planned 13 for next year. So come on, can we put our hands together and say thank you to the Mission Serve team for doing all this? Yeah, it's a lot of work. They've planned and coordinated. And again, tonight you'll see in your book exactly where we're going. Now, some of you may be wondering, uh, where are we going? That's a great question. Come tonight, we'll tell you. And you can sign up tonight. Registrations will open. And we've got one in February. We've got uh, January starts, actually. That's how the math works. January, then February, uh, March. I think we have maybe two as well. But anyway, so you may be thinking, wow, that's only two months away. Can you believe that? Next year is two months away. Sneaking up on us really quick in the dark. Uh, But anyway, so we've got two different types of missions trips because a global missions trip might be something that you're more familiar with where you need to get a passport, gonna get an airline ticket, you're gonna fly around the world. And we've got four of those trips next year. Those will take a little bit more. March is the first one of those and we're going to Israel. It's not a surprise. People have already signed up and that's uh, happening. There'll be three more to different places around the world where you would need to get a passport. So, you know, if there's something where you can't do that, that trip's not for you. But if you don't like flying, that also might not be for you. But whatever it is, those will be there because something happens when we leave our comfort zone and we travel somewhere and we're able to get in closer proximity with those believers. And so there's going to be four of those trips with some different costs and they're going to be great. The other thing that we have is what's called a cultural experience trip. And that's going to be a lot easier for everybody to be part of. Each trip has a certain cap on how many people can go. Usually it's around 12. Sometimes it's 10. I think one or two of them is 15. Um, But a cultural experience trip is local here in, you go north on 35 basically is how I would describe it. We live in a place where the world has also come to us. The truth is you can drive places within a half hour of where we now sit that are gonna feel like you're in a different country, but you didn't need a passport. You didn't need to take a week off from work and you sure didn't need to raise nearly as much money. So every cultural experience trip is only $200 and it's Monday to Friday during the week usually. There's a couple days that might switch, get that info tonight. But basically they take place after work in the evening, Monday to Friday, like a five to 9 p.m. And we eat in local restaurants that are not like Cane's, you know what I'm saying? So like we, we work with a mission 
missionary or uh, a national person that's moved here within that people group or that religion. Uh, we've had some of these people speak at our church before, uh, perhaps. I mean, we have, but you don't know where they are till later, but the missions team knows where they are. And so uh, we would just encourage you to be part of those in that regard. We're able to give money then to that organization. So we think whether it's on a plane trip around the world or a car ride up there, we can learn more. We'll simulate underground house churches that meet around the world. It's an incredible experience, but you don't have to take a week off from work. You can sleep in your own bed. Although there's one that's going to have an overnight experience as well. That's looking forward to Anyway, more info tonight, but uh, lots of things that are going to be happening. And we're just believing that as we go, God will do great things in us. Amen. All right, look at your notes. These are four things that I believe, according to scripture, but I believe that uh, always happen when we go on a trip. Again, I, I, like I said, I'd never heard a message on this, but last Monday I just I came in and I told the team, I want to just talk about what happens. Now, for those that went on a trip this year, they already know this to be true. If you've been on one before, you know this as well. So it's a little bit weird because I'm going to mention things that if you've been on a missions trip, you're like, you're already in. You're like, well, I want to go on another one. I want God to send me somewhere or whatever it is. If you've never been on one, you might hear this and you might seem skeptical. You're like, does it really happen like that, Pastor Derek? I'm like, it does. Just talk to the people that shared in the video that went on one. And so I don't know who I'm talking to because the people who already believe this don't need to hear it. The people that don't want to believe it might not want to hear it, but I'm going to say it anyway, and we're going to have a potluck tonight, all right? So this is what happens when you go on a trip. Number one, your eyes see the people. Now, some of you are like, well, how else are they going to see them, Pastor Derek? You know, like, what are you talking about? Let me, let me show you. There's something that happens. There's a massive difference between seeing someone on a screen and seeing them in person. This even happened for Jesus. Matthew chapter nine, verses 35 and 36. By the way, these are the verses right before Jesus says, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. This is what Jesus, we, we learn about Jesus. It says he went through all the towns and villages. He went on global mission trips and cultural experience trips. I don't know. He went across the street, he went around the world. He went to neighbors, he went to nations. He went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And look at this in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because when you gain proximity to people, your eyes see the people. Now, in case you didn't know, we believe that while he was here on earth, Jesus was fully God and fully man. Jesus left the splendor of heaven. He was outside time and space. And he came to this earth and he was born of the Virgin Mary. But how many people know he already had compassion on mankind? He knew that we were lost. We were sheep without a shepherd. We were in need of a savior. Jesus was not unaware of the plan to reach humanity. He didn't leave heaven because he was tired of the splendors of glory and came to earth because he was like, you know, it would be awesome being a teenage boy. That's not how the story goes. Jesus wasn't in heaven. He was like, I'm tired of the angels singing out, holy, holy, holy. You know what I want to do? I want to go to school and get homework 
and have a teenage brother, James. You know, like, come on, Jesus came to this earth. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He demonstrated his love for us by dying for us on the cross. Jesus already had compassion upon you and I. And yet the Bible says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. I would like add in if I was translating the Bible, duh. He's Jesus. But the truth is, friends, when we gain proximity with people that we've only seen on a screen or read about in a book, I'm telling you, your eyes will see the people. There's something that different that happens, whether it's an airplane or a car ride, when we spend time in proximity with others. I mean, a screen is better than nothing. COVID taught us that, right? Like, I still have a, a monthly Zoom with people from around the country because it's far more cost-effective to get on a Zoom for an hour and then hang up rather than us fly together to meet. We would never spend the money to do that, but, but so Zoom's better than nothing. This week, we'll Zoom, uh, Pastor Vicente and I get to Zoom as we do with different missionaries this week. We'll talk with the Royakers on Zoom. It's better than nothing. Seeing pictures on social media, it's better than nothing, but it's not the same. It's sitting at a table together, drinking a cup of coffee or having tea and, and being together. Because one thing we know is that windows are not doors. Screens give us a window, a glimpse into what's happening. But when we walk through the door and we have relationship with one another, have you noticed that when we take a picture and we post it online, we can see uh, whatever is in the frame? But it's kind of like at your house, if somebody knocks on the door and expects you do a quick clean and you throw everything in the closet, if you open the door, everything will fly out. Only three people want to laugh, honestly. The rest of you are liars. We all do the same thing. Nobody's house is company ready. By the way, why do we all lie to each other? Let's just leave it messy. Come on in. Our house is messy just like yours. Put your feet up wherever you want to. Doesn't that feel better already? Some of you are like, no, I can never do that. We're going to keep lying. It's always this clean. My grandmother, Nana, hi, Nana. She, she puts vacuum marks. Even when there's vacuum marks on the carpet, she still vacuums. I'm like, Nana, it's so clean. We can see the Hoover streaks, you know, like what's going on? And anyway, so I don't know what I was talking about, but it made me feel better. So when we see in person, it's not the cropped image that's prepared for social media. And we get to see what it's really like for other people. When we get up close, we can see the joy in people's eyes and we can see the pain that they feel. And unfortunately, our society has been sold a lie that says isolation is for our good and keep your distance and just look at a perfectly crafted manicured picture. And we've lost the connection with one another. And could it be that, that when we lose connection with one another, we, we fail to see people as, you know, uniquely created in the image of God, like we see them as people. And when we lose that proximity, we start to see them as political talking points. or issues, or agendas, them. And something happens when we get up close with our eyes, we can finally see 
the people. There's nothing like seeing people in their own village or worshiping in their own church, interacting, watching them interact with their kids and their neighbors with no social media filter. You know, it was two years ago when I first read about the Uyghur people in Kazakhstan, the Chinese Muslims that have fled uh, 13 million Uyghur people in the world, 12 million of them in uh, China, 300,000 have escaped to Kazakhstan, part of this genocide from the Chinese government. When I read about them in a book, it, it, it did something in me, but it was different reading about them in a book versus having lunch with them last month. There's something about sitting together and having a meal that seeing them in a whole new way. But it's not just with our eyes. It moves from our eyes and into our ears. Some people have said that when we're on a trip, missions moves from our head to our heart. And that's the progression that we're looking at here today. It's not just that our eyes see the people, but then our ears hear their stories. Which is very important to hear their actual stories instead of just the news media talking points and different things. (laughs) Hearing for ourselves. This is what the Bible says about listening and hearing. Proverbs chapter one and verse five said, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Proverbs 18, 13, to answer before listening is folly and shame. I do my best to pass along what I've heard or read in different missions settings, but we all know it's different when you hear it for yourself. There was something special about having Yurkin and Madeline with us last year at Taste of Nations. Do you remember playing the game of telephone as a kid? And I don't mean like an actual telephone for some people over here, but when we had, it was just you were telling one thing from one neighbor to the next, we would pass it along. And, and, and oftentimes, or most often, what the, the, the phrase started at did, is not how it ended up. Now, sometimes there was something in the line that felt like messing up on purpose. That was four of you, we could tell. We know who you are. But for the most part, we would try our best, but as long as the the daisy chain was long enough, it just, it would lose something from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. And the same can be true with the realities of what God is doing around the world. So many times we're limited by who is talking to us. And one of the blessings of being on a trip, again, whether it's around the world or up the freeway, is we get to hear for ourselves. Not with a news media uh, searching for ratings, that bias one way or another, filtering the scenario. Not a government or, or you know, but we hear directly from them when we hear their stories. So I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have a lot of times at prayer gathering to have some missionaries come back and share with us what they've been seeing. But I love even more when we get to hear from, meet with, sit down and talk to different national pastors, church members, sitting around drinking tea in Kazakhstan, uh, never got old for us of listening to what God was doing in their lives. Every conversation was a new one. They were completely unique, even when they had many similarities. Sometimes we only hear what the news is telling us. And typically it seems like the news is telling us that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Must be a pretty big handbasket, by the way. Uh, 
But I've got news for you, friends, not just our team that's returned from Kazakhstan, but anybody uh, serving on our missions team, the gospel is being proclaimed. And the kingdom of God is advancing and we just need to listen to our brothers and sisters around the world and we'll hear those stories. By the way, another benefit to listening, to hearing their stories is I think it's a key to helping us avoid an American pitfall of telling everybody else how to do something. It's true. If we'll just listen to them, it'll help us uh, talk a little bit less. I really have never understood because I've grown up uh, part of the church within the Assemblies of God. I've never understood some of the criticism for missions at large. And, and uh, part of that is because within the Assemblies of God, we have something that we call a commitment to the indigenous church. So the Assemblies of God strategy with missions is to uh, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into the harvest field, that will send missionaries where the gospel has not yet taken root. We're trying to engage people, like I said, uh, plant the church among all peoples. And so we want to send missionaries where the gospel is not yet uh, taken root. And, but when the gospel takes root among a people group, the strategy is to let them pastor their own church, to, to get a Bible training school so that they can become pa- uh, trained pastors, they can have college education, and that they can run it themselves and we can get out of their way, maybe give them coaching, maybe give them assistance. But the goal of Assemblies of God Missions is not to put our name on everything and say, do it like we do it in Minnesota. The truth is though, I didn't know that everybody wasn't doing that. So I was like, why is everybody complaining about missions being bad? And then I was like doing some reading. That's dangerous. I, I should have just stuck with, I was uninformed. But apparently not everybody shares the commitment to training nationals to reach their own people. We believe that, by the way, that nobody's better at reaching their own people than they are in whatever country it is. And so we want to be part of mission sending, but it's not missions copying us. Their church might, now, now we believe great churches have coffee bars in the lobby. That's why we love Kazakhstan. Every church had a great coffee and tea bar out there. I was like, you fit in with Minnesota. They were like, God moves if we have coffee. I was like, amen. I love all you people. (laughs) But there's something about listening that helps us know how we can assist and not try to take over. But this happens when we hear their stories. Uh, the people over there in Kazakhstan, like in all these other countries, right? They've got dreams. They've got ideas. They've got plans from God that if we'll listen to their story, we can come alongside and help. Now, there, there's places where I'm talking with Yurkin and saying, okay, have you thought about this or tried that? But every place has different cultural norms that if we try to impose our norm upon them, we could cause many problems, There are little things that we don't know. For instance, none of them wear their wedding ring on their left hand. They would all put it on their right hand. And you might say, well, what does that matter? I know I tried one day. Once I found out, they were like, it's a little disrespectful because over there, the right hand is the clean hand. And I tried to put my ring on that finger and it felt weird. I was like, you're just gonna have to deal with it. You know I'm American. I'm leaving my ring over there. 
But think about if it's something more significant than what ring does the finger go, right? Like there are differences that we might take as normative and for them it would be offensive or vice versa. And so we're always best if we just listen to their stories. We'll hear what God is doing in a greater way instead of assuming and we'll be able to support them in ways that we can't if we just do it on our own. But some of the stories that we heard when they were in Kazakhstan, uh, so many stories, right? How God miraculously saved them. He saved them, delivered them out of prison. There was some that had committed so much life of crime, they were in prison. And he said, I did my time, but when I was set free, I was on fire for God. We, we heard about one pastor, he was like a mafia boss before he got saved. And we heard even after he got saved, he kind of ran his church a little bit like it. He was like, you bring four friends to church or else. I was like, I don't think you should do that. But you know, I wasn't gonna be the guy to tell him. You know what I mean? I was like, yes, sir. Okay, uh, whatever it is. But God is doing great things. And we might never hear that if we're always the ones talking. And so it's awesome blessing that we have to just sit and hear stories, we would do that as we would travel to churches and villages and different places and we would always get to go in and have tea and cookies and, but to hear what God has done in their life, see the joy on their faces. In that moment, they really didn't need three points from me about how to grow their church or how to be healthy and wealthy. In fact, I'm not sure if I mentioned this here before or not, but it's, it's okay. Um, Amanda Riley was there and uh, the other church had uh, five women as well. So there were six American women that went with us and the other women there in Kazakhstan began to weep because they had never had an American woman come and visit them. Wow. It wasn't anything that our gals said on the trip, but it was just by showing up and listening to them share their testimony that they felt valued and heard because somebody would travel from America, a woman would travel from America to see and hear them did more for them than anything that I could say in that moment. And I think it's a great reminder for us that the blessing that we have when we go, that we're not going with all the answers, but we come back encouraged because of what we've heard God is doing in them. And by the way, they're praying for us. They're praying for the church in America to hear from God and be part of what he's doing all around the world. The next thing that happens is that your heart feels a connection. It's not just that your eyes see the people and your ears hear the stories, but your heart feels the connection. 1 Peter 3.8 says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. By the way, it seems those descriptions are lacking in our land today. I would not describe our nation. I would not describe everyone in our churches as like-minded, sympathetic, and loving one another. I'm not speaking to this service, of course, but maybe the people in the first service are going to church down the street, okay? It's not you, it's all right, maybe. But I believe we could all use an added dose of like-mindedness within the body of Christ. Amen. And, and real sympathetic in our hearts, being moved with love toward one another. Surely we could become more compassionate and humble. 
You know, the Bible describes in the book of Acts, our theme verse today, Acts 1-8, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be witnesses, power to be bold witnesses everywhere we go. Uh, later, we'll read in the book of Acts in chapter two, the next chapter, uh, that, that there was believers that had gathered from all over. So there was people in Jerusalem that spoke different languages. They had different cultural backgrounds. They were together, and the Bible says they were all together. That word there for unity was homothumadon. What, what does that mean? It means they were different, but they had the same fire. They had the same passion. They had unity, not uniformity. And the Bible says different people from around the area came together. They brought their differences, but they became same in their passion or their hunger for God. And they had a common experience, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they took that common experience and then they went back out in their different ways. By the way, that's still the plan for the church of Jesus Christ, that each of us have our different backgrounds, different upbringings, different heritage, different culture, whatever it is, but we come together and we share a common passion, homothumadon, a common fire, a common hunger for the things of God, and we share a communal experience, a baptism of fire in the Holy Spirit, and then we take what we received together and we take it back to our different places, our unique experiences. By the way, we don't need everybody to live in the same neighborhood because we need people living in different places. This is a great picture for us at Celebration where the physical church building is on the freeway, right? It's in Lakeville, a mile from Burnsville, over here, Apple Valley, go to Egan, Prior Lake, and wherever we all, Bloomington, different places. We live in different areas that God has called us to be salt and light in, and we gather together because of this common fire, this common passion, homothumadon, this, this, this hunger for God, and we experience together what we then take back to different places, which is why we've said we need all different kinds of people doing all different kinds of things in order to reach all different kinds of people. We need your differences and a spirit of unity, but because God has called us to go to these different places. What did Jesus say? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. If we were to like those are real places, by the way, but if we were to understand them, us here in the South Metro in Minnesota, Jerusalem is wherever we live. If you live in Apple Valley, if you live in Prior Lake, if you live in whatever, right? So wherever you live, be salt and light where you live. Yes. Yes. The next thing he said was Judea. What was that? Some geographic uh, distance. I think while we are being salt and light in our Jerusalem, in our neighborhood, in our community, we're being involved in processes and schools and, and neighborhoods, we also ought to pray for and be involved with our state and our nation. It's not an either or. We're praying for our country. We're praying for our state while we're being active as well in our community. This is not we do one and when we meet that, we go to the next. These are not, um, I don't know, sequentials, right? But we do them all at the same time, whatever word that is. I probably should have looked it up before I wrote the sermon. But it's Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. It's not Jerusalem. Then after you figure that out, after your whole city uh, is saved, then you could do the next thing. It's Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. What's that? A cross-cultural experience. 
By the way, isn't it interesting to note, it seems like you can basically do Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth all in the Twin Cities. Now, it's helpful to go ends of the earth and get on a plane because we still want to send people uh, where, where the gospel's not yet come to them. But the truth is, you don't have to drive very long to find the ends of the earth in Minnesota. I hear on the news all the time, right? Uh, large Somali population, largest outside of Somalia, largest Hmong population outside of Laos. And so you see these kind of things that are here for us. By the way, if you couldn't guess, those might be cultural experience trips. Allegedly, of course, we'll know for sure tonight. <laughs> I mean, they're in the book, but you don't have it. I know, I'm the pastor. But it's all at the same time. Samaria has this cross-cultural and ends of the earth still is easily explainable, but, but it's not one at a time. We need everybody, what we might say, living on mission, this mission of God, great commission, wherever we go. So if you're in your neighborhood, you're called to reach Jerusalem. But if you're in the grocery store and you find somebody from Samaria, a cross-cultural experience, you can be used by God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, to be a bold witness for Jesus in cup foods. Or Target or Walmart or wherever you are, right? Well, Walmart is ends of the earth. We know that to be true, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Come on, somebody, that's, that's funny. I don't care who you are. So I'm just praying wherever, as you go on a trip locally or globally, that you'll feel that connection as you gain proximity with people. It happened uh, in Kazakhstan, it'll happen on the local trips, whether it's Kazakhs around the world or Somalis up the freeway. Whenever you spend time with people, your eyes will see them differently and your ears will hear their stories and you'll feel a connection that you couldn't before. And it's my prayer that as a result of going on trips, we will no longer see people as political talking points or spiritual stars on our checklists, but people that we can feel a connection with and to because every person is worthy of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to seek and save whoever is lost, whether they live in Lakeville, Apple Valley, Minneapolis, or Kazakhstan. Jesus came to seek and save whoever is lost. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you and I can be bold witnesses for Jesus. Number four, and I close with this, the team can come back out and we're gonna sing as a moment of response. The result of these things, whenever you go on a trip, the result of these things, I, I'm praying for all of us, is that our feet will follow wherever God leads. Yes, this might be like the Royakers who've moved their family to Estonia. They, they felt that confirmation in the month of November, a couple years back. They were called as teenagers, but God brought it back in this month of emphasis and focus. And that might be for you, but wherever God leads, it might be staying at home. You heard Mitchell share that. Maybe, you know, he's a garbage truck driver, but he feels like God moving in his heart. What is he going to do? He's going to take those steps. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself today, I pray that as you go on a trip, your response as a follower of Jesus will be that your feet will follow wherever God leads. This is what we see this word in Isaiah chapter 52. It's quoted later in Romans. And he said this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. I've joked before, a spiritual pedicure is when you bring the good news to somebody else. Because the Bible says your feet will be beautiful. No matter how many 
corns, bunions, whatever else you got, come on, crooked toes, bad stuff. Your feet are beautiful when you bring good news, when you proclaim peace, when you bring good tidings, when you proclaim salvation. That's the point of all of our relationships, this connection that we want to feel. It's to proclaim salvation. It's not just to be a nice neighbor or something like that and find out those things. I mean, those are, those are part of it. But we understand the point is for people to be saved. Because heaven and hell are real places and they're going to last forever. And far be it from us to live our lives in our comfort zone of our normal life and friends and circles and ignore the cries of those who live all around us. So it's my prayer that our feet would follow wherever God leads. Because verse 10, I love this. He says, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. By the way, every week when I pray before I get up to preach, I always, it's included in my prayer that Lord, your arm is not too short to reach them. His arm is not too short to reach anyone in any nation and that his hand is mighty to save. He says, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and look at this, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. So Jesus said, you're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to have power to become a bold witness, to go to the ends of the earth. But earlier, it was prophesied that the people of God would go and that the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. So this is the joy, the privilege, the honor that we have to be part of what God is doing, right? Jesus said it this way, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Everybody deserves to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and then the end will come. So that's what we are committed to. That's what we're participating in. As we give to Kingdom Builders, as we're going on trips, we're saying, God, use us in your redemptive story here on earth. Because there is no other name like the name of Jesus. There's no other name that can save, set free, heal, and deliver. As we sing this song, we're going to declare it again. There's freedom in his name. There's not freedom in my name. There's not freedom in our church's name or in our nation's name. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. And it's that name of Jesus that every knee will one day bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so it's our joy even for a week or two to go on a trip, but to allow him to change us forever, to say, God, use us in your plan. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? We're going to sing this song one time before Pastor Dan comes to give us our instructions, but I want us to sing out the name of Jesus. There is freedom in his name. So as Matt and the team leads us, let's make this our response here today, that there is freedom in his name. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.